The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hey, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. All right. Are we ready to roll? Sure, sure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to this man. Gene Dunlop is joining us. He is a multi-instrumentalist. He is a musician that has played a variety of instruments from the piano, saxophone, guitar. In the past, he played the fiddle. He's played everything from drums, bass. Gene Dunlap has written songs. They've been recorded by everyone from Loretta Lynn, Mel Tillis, the great Engelbert Humperdinck. Speaking of Loretta Lynn, Gene Dunlop was the leader of her band for more than 30 years. So, Gene, thank you very much for making the time to speak with us. Oh, man, happy to be here. Happy to talk to you. You come from a state where many, many great musicians came from. And I'm talking about Louisiana. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, um, I think a lot of them, when I was raised down there, I raised hoeing, picking cotton. You know, it was a real poor country. And uh, a lot of people turned to music for their, I think, relief and, and whatever, entertainment. And so I think that's one reason we got so many good musicians come out of there. So what kind of music did you grow up listening to? What did you hear around the house? Hillbilly. It was all hillbilly at my house back in the 40s, 50s, you know. Now, in, in the mid-40s, uh, we'd walk down to Granny's to hear the war news. World War II was still going on. And we'd walk down there, and, and she had a battery radio. And we'd, we'd hear a little of the war news and then the Grand Ole Opry. It'd be static and fiddles and stuff, but it was wonderful. What is it you like about hillbilly music? I don't know. It just, you know, I was raised with it, so I don't really know, you know, how it first. But it was, I think it was easy to understand. It was simple, easy, and the message, and you know, the story and everything. Like uh, Buzz and Buddy, both are such good writers. You know, and I was lucky to get to get to write with them. Now, Buzz Rabin, that is a man who has been on a, a number of people's lips lately. He had a song recorded on the latest Willie Nelson album. Tell us about how you first met Buzz Rabin, one of the great songwriters in country music. Yes, I agree. He's a great writer. Well, uh, we moved to uh, Pineville. We had levee breakdown in the swamp where I was and uh, got our house and everything and put us in a tent. So the next year, Mama insisted, I think, and we moved to Pineville, which is a <laughs> large city back then, you know, like maybe 5,000 people. But, uh, we started. I started going to the first grade in Pineville Grammar School. I was from the country, boy. I didn't know anybody there. And Buzz and his brother Jerry Ray was going like walking the same way every day, and they lived right, you know, like very, very close to me. So Buzz and I went through the first, second, third grades together, and uh, then I moved to Wardville, you know, like another little outskirt of Pineville. And uh, being Buzz had a band when he was, I think he was fourteen, and I was sixteen. And, and we had a rock and roll band. He, of course, we liked to do Hank Williams. He was he loved Hank Williams, and uh, so we do Elvis and Carl Perkins and everybody. And of course, we throw Hank in there too. But that's uh, Buzz and I had a long history together. Love Buzz, man. He's a really cool guy, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He had a, a record and album 
down here. I don't know what, how much it sold, but I loved it. I played it over and over. You know, just uh, such great writing, and he's a great singer too. Oh, absolutely. And what about Buddy Cannon? He's somebody who has gotten a lot of recognition as a record producer. He's also written some really fantastic songs. Tell me about how you met Buddy Cannon. Well, I, um, I had a band in Kansas City from uh, 66 to 72, and I couldn't get anything recorded, so I started trying to write. And so I decided to move here, and I joined Bob Lumen in uh, April of 72. And uh, me and Buddy were the old guys on, on the band. <laughs> had Steve Smith and Joe Halterman, and so me and Buddy started rooming together. And uh, we got talking, and both of us were interested in writing, so we started writing and talking and became real good friends. And uh, after I left Bob, I was, went with Loretta, and we just kept writing, kept, you know, being around each other. Of course, we, we'd go downtown and drink a little bit and play play a lot of music, sit in with everybody. <laughs> but anybody hey, could tell that story. About <laughs> I walk in with the saxophone around my neck. They didn't have any pianos in town. I, I said, I come to a, a guitar, a piano player come to a guitar town. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I've heard about you is that you're a guy who likes a lot of music, uh, different kinds of music. Is there any oh, yeah. truth to the idea that you have played jazz backstage at the Grand Ole Opry? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, you know, guys sometimes get back there and start jamming, you know, and, and I think uh, Hoot was one who would do that and um, oh, a great bass player. They'd get back there and start jamming some, like, standard jazz standards, you know, and they had a piano, so I'd join in. Spider Wilson was in there, and, yeah, it was fun, <laughs> you know. I, actually, I got a, we got a good write-up. We were touring with Ernest Tubb in, in New York, and we was uh, Albany playing, and uh, we played there that night, and they had a great piano. So at intermission, we had two shows. Between shows, I got backstage, and it was real dark back there, and, Ernest had uh, Junior Pineda and Don Mills traveling with us, with him, and they're good musicians, good, you know, swing jazz and stuff. So we started playing Santa Claus is Coming to Town. It was getting late in the year, and we just jamming on it. And I noticed somebody back there, and the next day, it mentioned Ernest and Loretta at the top, but we got all the whole write-up was about jazz <laughs> between, between shows. <laughs> it was funny. How interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so... Did you get to perform with Ernest Tubb? Yeah. Wow. What we did is, is um, of course, Ernie and L Ernest and Loretta were old buddies and really good friends. And uh, so I asked her, you know, I said, be all right with me play with Ernest, too, you know, besides doing our show, just do his, too. She oh, yeah, that'd be fine. So I did play a lot with Ernest and uh, got to town later, like another year or so, and Hoot called me, his driver. Said Ernie wants you to come to the studio. So I went down there and he put me on one of his albums. So that was a big honor because I always loved Ernie Stubbs since I was a little kid. Hmm. When you're performing or recording with someone of that stature, Ernest Tubb, uh -huh. is that at all intimidating for you? Oh no! It's just it's, a, it's a, you just love doing it, man. You know, and I play just, you know, exactly what fits him, you know, when I'm playing. Because in my mind, I know what, what I think fits and that, you know. But uh, no, it's just a, a, you know, great feeling. I'm hoping you can tell the listeners about Gene Dunlop and the Jokers. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was another lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've worked with uh, Johnny Ramostella, who later became Johnny Rivers in 56. And uh, then left there and I went to, uh, went and played uh, the Louisiana Hayride in 57 and was with Martha Lynn there for a while. And then they made me staff guitarist. James Burton left him with Bob Lumen and uh, they had a hole in the guitar player. So I went with uh, Fred Carter Jr. I was the other guitar player. But uh, Fred did most of the work. <laughs> but anyway, I came, I left the uh, Hayride because music, country music was kind of going down at the time. And rock and roll was really getting hot. So I thought I needed a change. So I talked to Frank Page, and, and uh, he was agreeable. Oh, yeah, that was fine. So I went to Houston and got me a little band called, you know, like, it was, used to be Johnny Ramosell and the Spades. I said, well, I'd do one better, Gene Dunlap and the Jokers. So I, I did that and uh, recorded for a hit, hit label out of Baytown and had a lot, pretty good play out of it and got some good play in Europe. I didn't even know about it. But anyway, it was fun doing it. As I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, you spent a number of years touring with Loretta Lynn. Yeah. How did you come to meet Loretta Lynn? I was working with Bob Lubin at the time, and uh, I heard a, well, a friend of mine, Steve Nath, a drummer, he had a sister-in-law was was a secretary for Loretta Lynn downtown. He said, Hey, he said, uh, she just told me that uh, Loretta might, might be needing the piano player. I said, good. So I went down there and applied, you know. They sent me out to Dave Thornhill's house, and I went out there. And I don't remember myself, but Dave said that he asked me to play, play Last Date in C, and I played that, and he asked me to play Last Date in C Sharp, and I played that, so he hired me. So anyway, yeah, it was a good story. Wow. But that's I met Loretta later, and she's so nice. I mean, she's the, the best person in the world to work for because she does her job and don't say anything about anybody else. She's just friends with the whole bunch. <laughs> That's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah, she's a great person. Well, so was Bob. I love working with Bob Lumen. Was there a favorite Loretta Lynn song when you were performing? Um, I got a lot of them I like. But, uh, I like to... Um, with the Tingle Becomes the Chill, one of my favorites. It's fun to play. It's a good song. And I don't know, there's several, several I like, but that, that's uh, just the name one. That would probably be it. Loretta Lynn, there's so many things that, that she's talented at. What would you say her biggest talent is? I think her courage is probably one of her outstanding talents to me because She'll look at, you know, look at camera, look at anybody right in the eye and singing her heart out. Yes. You know, it's, I think her courage is the best thing about her. Did you spend a good bit of time recording with her as well? No, uh, well, recorded, uh, we did one album with her called uh, Loretta and the Coal Miners on the Road. And so we had that little album, and she sang some songs on it, and that was fun doing. But I didn't do any of the recording with her on because Owen Bradley had all that. Uh. I mean, he already had the guys you know, that played her stuff, and she'd already just, you know, kind of made a niche for herself when I came along. As I mentioned, there were some songs that you wrote that Loretta Lynn recorded. Yeah. Actually, she... Uh, 
recorded one right after I joined her. I, I just brought her a tape of something I'd done called uh, Will You Be There? And uh, she recorded uh, The Pill, and she put it on the backside of The Pill, and I got a pretty good ride off that one. So, I, and But uh, she recorded um, about seven or eight of those, and I can't remember what they were. But And Mel Tillis, I can't say enough about him, man. He, he took me and Buddy and really, you know, helped us along. How would you describe Mel Tillis when you could get to know him? I didn't know Mel real well, but uh, Mel was funny. He was just a, he was smart. He like real giving. He'd, you know, he sit there with him. We'd joke all night down at his uh, publishing company, and he'd stay there with us, and we'd have a few few beers and stuff, you know, and uh, had a good time down there. But I, I love Mel. He's just a great guy, and he's very talented. Great writer. I couldn't believe it. he did like wrote Ruby Don't Take Your Love to Town and then recorded I Believe in You and he said that was his favorite song to sing and that just knocked me over and that was good. <laughs> I was listening to that song, I Believe in You. Uh huh. It is a great song. Well, thank you. Thank you. Tell me about the inspiration. What for that? <laughs> uh I don't know. Um I had a little idea about, you know, something, and I called Buddy, and he came over, and so we just spent the whole day fleshing that idea out, you know, fleshing, uh, getting lyrics and all that stuff. We started off in Buddy's notebook, and we just thumbed through it and see what kind of fit that. We was looking for something positive, you know. And so he had, I believe in you, the first word after that's good, you know. <laughs> so anyways, uh, it was a lot of work to it, that, you know. We rewrote it three or four times. Because Glenn Campbell didn't like the life, you know, just life is just the way to what was just the way to die. Didn't like that line. So anyway, we we rewrote it several times. Ended up doing the original version. Mel did it. Would you describe yourself as a positive person? Oh, yeah, man. You know, always. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I could feel that you were a positive person the very first time we spoke on the phone. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just had a feeling. <laughs> yeah, that's great, man, because I'm very positive. I don't like negative stuff. Well, that song, I Believe in You, I also mm-hmm. got a chance to listen to the Engelbert Humperdinck version. Uh-huh. And I have to wonder, how did he come to hear the song? Well, it was number one. You know, Mel had it, and it was number one in the country charts, and uh, it rated some of the other charts. But uh, he heard it that way. I guess his manager probably played it for him. Said, "Here's one, you know." <laughs> we was a little late, or we probably got an Elvis cut. <laughs> but but uh, he he uh, passed away too quick. I think he passed a year before that was the number one. But uh, I was so happy to have Engelbert cut it, and he did such a great job. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you heard? Do you heard Frank? Uh, Frank, I think Jennings. From London? I haven't heard that one, no. It's like a jazz version of it. You know, it's like double time. He sings the same timing as Mel, but the music is double time. Got saxophone and piano and all kind of stuff just playing. <laughs> Very interesting. Oh, I liked it. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Are you of the belief that when you have a great song, it can translate to any genre? That's, I think that's right. I think a great song translates to anything, you know. 
it seems that somebody who proves that a lot is Willie Nelson. Cause he oh, proves- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Willie's such a great writer and has such great insight on stuff, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, Buddy's been writing with uh, Willie a good bit here, been producing him and writing with him, and so he's having a good time with Willie. I bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you know Jimmy Bowen? Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Bowen produced I Believe in You. Oh, yeah. He was producer on that session. Yeah, I, I didn't know real well, but uh, you know, met him there and talked to him a little bit. And uh, when when he was doing, uh, oh, the lady did the background vocals. I went and watched him that day, and and Moore was there, Bob Moore, and just talked to all of them a little bit. But Jimmy came out to was in L.A. doing a thing at the theater out there, and he came out there and saw me, talked to me a little, but I didn't know him that well. Is there anything you're working on at the moment? I'm always working on music. Just, you know, mainly playing, you know, like doing all kind of progressions and playing, you know, all the time. I play every day. Yeah. And mostly at the piano. Yeah, mostly piano. What I do is lay a track down on the piano with my electric and record it. Like, electric's got a record on it. Record it, and then when I play it back, it comes through the amps, and I play my saxophone with it, so I can play with myself. <laughs> Interesting. Are you planning on releasing these recordings? Oh, no, no. This is just for fun. That's for practice. You know? Ah, okay. Makes good practice. It makes sure I agree with myself. What do you think about the way the music business is these days? I really don't know. I, you know... I've, I kind of got out of that circle a while back because it's just too stressful for me, you know. And uh, I'm an old farm boy, so I, I like to get out here with slow and easy. And if somebody cuts something they like, you know, for mine, that's good. If they don't, that's good, too. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best thing about being Gene Dunlop? Oh, man. <laughs> I could tell you the best thing. I don't know. I've... I think of being positive and, you know, I'm at peace with everything and everybody. And, and, uh, I don't know. It might be the best thing. I always like to give the guests the stage. Just let them say whatever they want, not just limited to music. What would you say to anyone who's tuned in? Oh, um, I don't know. I've, I've always loved people, you know, but uh, I need a break from them every once in a while. And and this this place here has afforded me that. And uh, so I'm back in the circle of really enjoying people again, you know, and liking that. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to see everyone I can, you know, when I can. Well, Mr. Dunlop, thank you very much for giving us this interview. Well, thank you, Paul. I, I enjoyed it very much and uh, look forward to talking to you again. All right, sounds good. Until next time. All right, man. Goodbye.